Good morning and welcome to Talking Monday on this beautiful Saturday morning. Windy and chilly, but uh, we're nice and warm here in in my my makeshift home studio at the in my conference room at the office. So we're having to do this, of course, with the COVID concerns and trying to be around as, as few people as possible. So uh, we're here doing that today. So we started the 15th year of Talking Money. It's amazing that it's been that long since uh, we started this back the first part of 2007, January 2007. So in the 15th year, we've had many people I know that have been listening for most of that time, if not all of that time. And so one of those people is a special lady that we're going to do a little shout out today. She turns 99 tomorrow. So Carolyn Wayman has been listening for, I think, as long as we've been around. So I want to say a real happy birthday tomorrow to Carolyn Wayman. So I know she she sits there and and her daughter Lynn fixes her up and puts her next to the radio so she can listen. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what she learns and what she takes with it, but uh, she enjoys listening and I, I appreciate that. So I hope that uh, her family, I know Lynn will and the rest of the family, just give her the love that she so deserves. The sweetest lady in the world. Uh, I think uh, unless somebody tells me different, she's the, the oldest Talking Money listener that I know of that uh, listens regularly. And I had uh, she uh, a couple years ago, uh, there was a regular listener that she was 101. And so we're, we're planning, I think, uh, next year, uh, Carolyn, we're just going to get you on the radio and, and let you tell everybody your secrets of long life and, and how you stay so sweet for all these years. So uh, anyway, happy birthday, Carolyn, and I hope it's a great day for you. And I hope it's a great, uh, great year for you uh, for the coming coming year. So today, we've well, we got to get back to the more mundane things. Uh, so Mark Elam, who's been uh, on this show a number of times already, is back on the microphone, drove up from Atlanta last night. He is a senior investment strategist with the Ronald Blue Trust, our firm, uh, out of Atlanta. But I know he loves coming to Greenville. Don't you love coming to Greenville, Mark? I just do. It's two hours away, but it's a beautiful, it's a world away from Atlanta for sure. Small, small city. We stay downtown. Uh, we always seem to get good weather. I don't know how you do that, Mike, but thanks. And uh, here we are on a beautiful Saturday morning. Looking forward to our time together. I wish I could say I had good connections for that, but there, <laughs> there'd be a lot of things changing if I had that. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on that one. But thanks for coming up. Uh, yep. We appreciate it because you guys do a great job down, you and your team down there in Atlanta uh, for us uh, that are that are in the branch offices and in in, around the country. So we, we like having that support. I mean, one of the things that... It was an advantage to us when we merged from Plan First to Ronald Blue Trust was that there was this this nice uh, big new team that we had access to that did nothing but investments. Uh, of course, when we were just Plan First, we did uh, the investment research, due diligence, and did had to do all that ourselves. Uh, so it's nice to have a team like this. So I'm going to start off with just giving you guys some kudos because we had a lot of uh, scared people. A lot of people that were nervous about what was going to happen mm-hmm. with the new election back in November. So back in uh, September, October, people were fearful. Um, even some of the, the guys I play golf with that are not clients, this one guy in particular, he's, oh, I'm all in cash, I'm all in cash. And, and of course, he missed the big November. He missed he missed all that stuff. Uh, maybe he doesn't care, but it's just because of the nervousness. And, and the ISG team and you as well uh, gave us some good thoughts about why not to panic during that time and how the president doesn't have as much control over the, how the markets may go as, as a lot of people think that they do. And of course, there's, there's an impact and what presidents do uh, has has an effect. Uh, sometimes it's an early effect and uh, sometimes it's a longer effect. But uh, anyway, we appreciate 
what you guys uh, continue to do for uh, us as we talk to our clients and of course as I talk to the, to the radio listeners. So let's start off, uh, Mark, just giving your big picture thoughts. Uh, new president, we got uh, Democratic control of, of Congress, uh, barely, but it's but it's there. And and uh, Alan Cox was was with me last week on the phone, and he was talking about some of the the intricacies of having a just a 50-50 split in the Senate and how that's kind of interesting, has a different dynamic. And you never know for sure if everybody on either side is going to go with their own party, which makes it a very, very thin margin. Yeah, so but, what's your yeah, thoughts on all that It stuff? puts a lot of power in those people that are kind of in the middle. The moderates in each party are going to be uh, almost like kingmakers in terms of policy decisions and so forth. And so there's some moderates on both sides that are kind of in the middle, and they'll be They'll be courted when uh, legislation has come up, and uh, just the, I, I can't remember the last time we had a 50-50 split. If if it's if it's ever happened where the vice president was the tiebreaker, so it'll it's going to be interesting if if anything. Um, so yeah, I just big picture thoughts. I you know we understand a, a lot of our our clients, a lot of people out there have concerns about uh, we've had we're having a change in government. We have Democrat control presidency in Congress. Uh, we haven't had that. Uh, certainly, it's a switch from what we've had in the last four years. Um, and, and people are concerned, and rightly so. You know, uh, President Trump, former President Trump. It sounds strange to say that, <laughs> it but does, uh, former President Trump was certainly good for investors. Uh, he was a, he had a very business friendly approach. He uh, a different perspective than perhaps what we saw over the prior eight years. And the markets responded to that. You know, we've had great stock markets, yep. uh, great financial markets, a great economy up until COVID. But uh, we had a, we had a pretty good four years uh, from an invest investor's point of view. So. Um, I, I think our view would be there's reasons to be less concerned than people might be. You know, first of all, you have to say, you know, since the election, the markets seem to be not so concerned. Uh, the stock market, U.S. stock market's up about 14% since election day. So, yeah, and I was looking just as a side to that, the difference in uh, Wall Street Journal this morning was looking at the different indexes and which ones have done best. And small companies have really been, they did well last year and been coming back pretty good this year as well. They have really come back. And small stocks typically uh, kind of are might kind of move more in sync with thoughts about the economy. Right. So that's that's telling us that uh, investors are, are optimistic about the economy doing better. Small stocks have responded to that. So, you know, in terms of reasons to be less concerned, the market doesn't seem to be that concerned. It's It's been comfortable. It's, it's up. Um, just a reminder, uh, people need to understand uh, a moderate Democrat was elected, not a progressive Democrat. And so the Democrats put forth some progressive candidates, uh, several of them, in fact. Well, the vice president certainly is, but the well, president's the, not. That's know. right. And uh, those progressive candidates did, did not come out on top. A more moderate uh, a candidate did, a, a candidate that, that's used to compromising. He's been in the Senate. He's used to the give and take that's going to have to happen going forward with such an evenly divided uh, Congress. So that, that's who is our president. Um, you know, and it's a very, very tight split. The House, 10 or 12 votes, I think, is the majority. The Senate, you know, down to the vice president breaking the tie. The filibuster in the Senate is part of the rules. That's not going away. Uh, and, and the other check on, on, on the House side is we've got midterms in a couple of years. And yeah. so uh, Joe Biden remembers fondly, or maybe not so fondly, uh, when, when he was vice president under Obama, the first midterms that came along, Obama's words himself, we took a shellacking. Yeah. So Obama came in, had some very uh, progressive uh, things he wanted to do, and the country responded and, and put more Republicans in, in the Congress, in the House. So Democrats remember that. They're not going to – I think they're going to 
they're going that's going to weigh on them. They're going to be more moderate in what they try to accomplish because they don't want to lose the house in two years, and that that's that could be a priority. And speaking of priorities, I think, you know, as we've seen here in the last couple of days, priority one for this administration is the pandemic and the vaccine response. And so that, that's going to be good. It's hard to argue with that. It's, that's going to be good for the economy. We get the economy going again um, by summer, perhaps maybe get back to somewhat something approaching normal. That's that's good for everybody. That's good for uh for, for stocks, for companies, sure. and so forth. So uh, we, we get it. There's there's reasons to be concerned, but I wouldn't be overly concerned about this this change in governance. Yeah, okay. And I, and I, and I will tell you that probably not just myself, but a lot of listeners are, are praying that nothing happens to Joe Biden over the next four well, years. Well, aren't so. we all? <laughs> so we don't have to worry about uh, Kamala, Kamala, <laughs> uh, Vice President Harris, we can get that one out. Uh, ends up taking over, but uh, you know, it, it's it all remains to be seen what happens. But the the bottom line for us, especially I know in our firm, me personally, we know God's in control of all this stuff. So nothing surprised God. God knows what's going to happen. And uh, I remember even back in the the Great Recession time when it first, uh, just after it been going a couple months, I'd be facetious and I'd tell the listeners, I'd, "Well, this just amazing. Just just." caught God all by surprise. He had no idea this was coming. Like, no, I don't think that's what yeah. happened. He's, I think uh, we, we can be certain of, one thing that we can be certain of that we know that he's uh, in control. And Joey Hudson says that, I think, every at the end of his show, every um, weekday morning as well. So uh, it's good to be in, in that, that kind of company. That's a good word and, and certainly worth, uh, worth remembering. All right, so it's time for our first break. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And the 800-588-7526 number and 7526 spells out plan. If you can't remember the 7526, you remember plan. That's the number you call at the office if you want to speak with me about potentially uh, whatever questions you might have. Always like that. And also if uh, you have an interest in finding out whether or not the services that uh, we provide at Ronald Blue Trust are a fit for you. And believe me, as I've said for years, even as it was with Plan First, we are just as concerned 
to, to finding out whether or not you are a good fit as you should be. So it's um, it's not something that we're just trying to get everybody in the door, and, and we I'm sure we'll fit something. I'm sure we'll find something that we can help you with. No, that's not the case. We, we truly don't want to engage a client unless we feel like the value of our services is worth more than what they're going to pay for it. That's, that's our goal. Uh, whether we, you know, I'm sure sometimes we don't hit that, but we certainly is our, our goal. All right, Mark. So we want to talk about inflation. Had the number of listeners that have emailed and said all this stimulus, all this money that's being spent, certainly that's got to cause inflation and is going to just ruin the economy and so forth. So, uh, give us your thoughts on uh, what the spending will do with uh, potentially with increasing inflation. Yeah, well, Mike, you are correct. Uh, this might be the number one uh, most frequent question we're getting from clients and and from advisors, kind of forwarding on those questions from clients is inflation. I'm I'm starting to get really scared. All this debt, all this spending, isn't isn't inflation going to be around the corner? Are we planting seeds? And so, a couple of thoughts there. I'd say in the short term, we are likely to see a little bit of a bump up in inflation, and and that's a good thing. All that all that will be telling us is that economic activity picking up, recovering. It would be natural for prices to respond a little bit and for inflation to perk up, if you will. In fact, the Fed is hoping for that. The Fed is trying to accomplish that in, in these low rates in a stimulative monetary uh, environment, trying to get a little bit of inflation, because a little bit of inflation in the Fed's mind is a good thing. Now, over the medium and long term, uh, concerns about, well, all this borrowing, all this spending has got to be paid back. Isn't it going to be overstimulative? And, and there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of concern about that. And no one really knows to the degree to which all this debt is planting the seeds for future inflation. I will say that coming out of the great financial crisis, 2008, 2009, we, we, at, at that time we had a lot of spending. A lot of debt was run up, a lot of stimulus. And there were concerns expressed at the time. And people said, well, I need to be buying gold because inflation. And, and we just never really saw that inflation spike from the spending, from the debt, and so forth. Uh, the economy got going again, but it didn't over overheat, didn't get to a point where an overheating economy produced inflation. So we've kind of been down this road before. Now we're taking it up a notch, and certainly there is more spending, more debt for sure. And and it remains to be seen over the long term. If that does plant the seeds, the Fed will be on the case, though, and will respond to that and will uh, will take steps to dampen down economic growth if it becomes excessive and so forth. And I think what, what we're saying to our clients is, you know, we just need to be ready for that contingency, if you will. So in the short term, intermediate term, that means keeping your bond maturities intermediate. Don't make them so long term that interest rate risk is a problem. So give us an idea for the listener what that means, yeah. intermediate versus long term versus short term. Yeah, good question. So uh, intermediate term, we mean, you know, three to seven, three to nine years in terms of the maturity date of the bonds that you invest in. How much would you consider duration as opposed to maturity as yeah. part of that? They're related. Uh, yeah. Duration is a more technical term for uh, for maturity level, but if it's if it's simple to keep track of the average maturity, so for it's three right. to seven years. A longer term bond can get you higher interest. However, the the downside is that longer term bond is going to be more susceptible to a rise in interest rates and a decline in the value. For instance, a 30-year bond with a 3% coupon, well, what if rates go to 4%? Well, I'm, I'm stuck for 30 years with a 3% right. bond. That bond goes down in value. Whereas a five to seven year bond with that kind of an interest rate doesn't go down as much because eventually you'll get your money back and, and the value doesn't have to go down with, with interest rates. So keeping your maturities in the intermediate range is one way to hedge against future what potentially could be future inflation. 
the other thing is for our longer term, the longer term uh, money, think, things for long term goals, you invest in things that inflation, uh, that are somewhat protected from inflation. And those would be growing at growth assets like stocks, like real estate, even commodities. So parts of your portfolio will, will do fine in inflation. Uh, over the long term, the intermediate term, you hedge by keeping your maturity short. And for and for in, you know short term needs, you need to kind of keep those in cash or cash equivalents so that inflation doesn't uh, doesn't impact that money. Yeah, I see quite often because you hear all these ads for gold, and and, and not that golds. I know we use some gold and, and as part of the portfolios, uh, some of the portfolios, but it seems that that it's talked about so much as uh, as a offset to inflation that people start thinking gold is the only thing that would help offset inflation not realizing that no stocks have done pretty good with inflation as well they've actually done better gold has kind of a spotty track record when it comes to inflation you really you you really be hard-pressed to look at history and look at tracking inflation and the price of gold you're going to find like well there's sometimes it helped and sometimes it didn't right gold is really kind of a fear hedge if you will it 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 dampens volatility and it's a good place that we use uh, it's a it's an asset we use tactically that means for short periods of time during periods when volatility is higher and we've recently just kind of taken off some of our gold uh, our, our gold investments yeah. because volatility and uncertainty has gone down and the price is up and and is the yeah. gold price is up yeah. it's been a good investment it was a good place to have some exposure during the fear during the uncertainty heading into the elections but but that's somewhat waned somewhat, so we've pulled back a little bit. Yeah, so I'm glad you said that because you and I did not talk about our thoughts on gold before we started speaking, <laughs> but you hit dead on with what I've been saying for years. And according to Warren Buffett says the same thing, uh, is that, that gold is not the, the hedge that people think. I think people buy it as a as a fear because it, that makes them feel better because they think the, the U.S. dollar is going to go away or something's going to happen, the economy is going to collapse, and somehow they think, Having gold is going to help them in that environment, and then I and I ask for those who actually tell me that. So, well, what are you planning on doing if the economy does um, go to put and the dollar goes away? Now, so what what specifically, practically, are you going to do with that gold? Are you going to take it down to the local grocery store and you're going to say, "I've got this gold. Are you going to give me groceries for it?" And and you better make sure you buy enough to take the whole gold coin because they can't give you change because change would be in U.S. dollars and you don't want that. So to me, practically, it just doesn't work. I, I've always felt like the best hedge against all that was to have a big fence and have a big garden and a big gun. And and that, and that would help you. That's what you needed because your neighbor is going to want your food. So um, that, that would beat gold. But anyway, that was just... Kind of no, I hear you. Way. We we, yeah. we heard the same things, and uh, I, I wonder if how how they're going to actually use gold as a currency, as a as a as a basis for exchange, and that's what money is. And uh, you're going to be hard pressed uh, hard pressed to use it down to your Walmart. Yeah, yeah. So tactically, it just does that doesn't make sense uh, to do that. But if, if it makes you feel better, then okay, keep some and and then and, uh, and do the rest of it in a good diversified portfolio. And there is something to be said for what makes you feel better. If it feels if it if you feel more secure, feel have more peace of mind around having part of your portfolio in gold, then by all means, it's not going to hurt you to have some. Yeah. Uh, it may not help you, but if it makes you feel better, it makes you kind of stick with your your longer term plan, yeah. the whole plan. By all means, sleep uh, better at night. Yeah, that's good. We, we will never argue against diversification. So. Okay, so we're coming up on our bottom of the hour break. We'll be right back.
Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. Got a question for me or Mark Elam, our guest for today. So just give us a call, 877-235-9405. Or you can text a question to that same number, 877-235-9405. If you're listening by podcast, of course, this is not while we're on live. You'll have to send your question a different way. So you'll send your question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So we just revamped the Talking Money website. So TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You go to that site and there's a lot of resources. The resource section has things like family finances, budgeting, annuities, estate planning, charitable giving. A lot of things are on there. It's all free. It's not trying to sell you a thing, which is uh, one of the things I've always said sets Talking Money apart from all the other money radio shows. That, that I've heard is that we're not trying to sell you anything. So there's a great resource for you there at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And there's a lot of places on there that say, Ask Mike a Question. So you can just click on that and, and type in your question, and we'll get to it, either answer you there on the spot, or we'll answer it at a future uh, Talking Money program either way. So uh, Mark Elam, Senior Investment Strategist with Ronald Blue Trust, is my guest today. Once again, thanks for coming up from from the big city of Atlanta to yeah. join us in, in, in prettier, calmer Greenville, South Carolina. Great to be here. So uh, looking at a piece that was put out uh, just a week ago from the Columbia Threadneedle people, they were giving their updates like so many people have. And that's one of the things I, I try to remind listeners that, that uh, you and I and our advisors, we do a lot of reading. We do a lot of listening to other advisors, other analysts to try to to develop what's going on, develop our own opinions for different things. Uh, and you, of course, Mark and your team would look even more at the, the, the specific and the hard statistics and come up with the ideas. Whereas I'm taking typically those ideas and, and putting them all together from different advisors. They said when they talked about the U.S. dollar, which is what we're going to hit next, they said it's unlikely that the U.S. dollar will weaken significantly. The dollar tends to be driven by three themes. One is the growth differential between the U.S. and the rest of the world. The second is the interest rate differential between the Federal Reserve and other central banks. And the third is the risk climate. In periods of risk aversion, people tend to crowd into the dollar versus other currencies. So that was kind of their thoughts. And I think when you're talking about um, the dollar, is it weaker lately? Is that a trend? I think I think it would help our listeners, Mark, if you just start with a general idea of what difference does it make, what the dollar does? How does that affect me? How does it affect my investments? 
Yeah, a dollar is a dollar, right? So <laughs> the, when we talk about the value of the U.S. dollar, dollars trading the currency markets kind of relative to each other's, rather to other currencies. So the dollar versus the euro, or the dollar versus the yen, and you can track, well, how is our dollar doing in terms of value versus those other currencies, versus mm-hmm. the Chinese currency, for instance, is, that's been a, a subject of uh, controversy as accusing them of weakening their currency so they can get more exports and, and so forth. So our dollar, it does fluctuate, and, and they and they nailed it in terms of the three largest influences uh, that, that impact the dollar, the value of our currency versus the, the value of uh, other global currencies, euro, yen, and so forth. Interest rates, growth, and the risk climate. And so, you know, the dollar has been weaker here in recent months, and that's caused alarm for some people that's, that point to that and say, look, the dollar being weaker, that that means our economy is must be going down or going the wrong way. Uh, the pol- politically, there's less confidence in, in the U.S., so the dollar, there's less faith in the U.S. Uh, they're, they're tying it to other things. It uh, must be inflationary, the dollar going weaker. And the reality is the dollar fluctuates up and down over time, and it had been stronger for years mm-hmm. up until about six, eight nine months ago or whatever it is, and, and it's been weaker. And and it fluctuates around. There's no real long-term trend in the value of our dollar, but it just fluctuates relative to other currencies for the reasons cited in that piece. Interest rates, differing economic growth of those countries and so forth. And so foreigners, uh, you know, people overseas, investors, governments, whatever, uh, we've seen no real... Um, there's no less confidence in them holding our dollars. A lot of our treasury bonds are, are bought by overseas governments and investors, and they have to do that in dollars. And so we're not seeing a, a waning in confidence uh, from yeah. that. So it's it's something we watch. It's something that's interesting, but we don't see it as a long-term negative trend that the value of our dollars is going to go weaker and weaker and weaker. But a, but a weaker dollar, doesn't that make our goods and services more um accessible or, or a better pricing overseas and helps our exports, right? It helps our exports. It makes our goods cheaper relative to somebody in France who's buying something locally versus, you know, wine in France, wine in California with a weaker, slightly weaker dollar. The California wine is slightly cheaper than than it, than it is compared to that French wine uh, priced in euros. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it helps our export markets or helps our exporting to uh, to foreign countries, to Canada, to Mexico and so forth, to the extent that our dollar is a little bit weaker than yeah. their currencies. So we're at, I know it affects a lot of people that are traveling. So the, 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 the exchange rates, that's mm-hmm. part of the dollar going up and down versus other currencies. So we have a, a, a prospective client that uh, that he's talking to that's from Canada and has most of his assets in Canada, but lives here. And so it's like, okay, if I want to get those assets here, it's going to cost me a bunch because the exchange rate's so bad with Canadian dollars because our dollar's stronger. So mm-hmm. the the more that gets back into sync, the less the less likely that's a problem. But then, of course, if they say because I think they said that they're thinking about moving back to Canada when they retire, so they might as well leave it up there because then it's not a, much of a concern. That's right. Once you get to your country, so people in this country, if you're not traveling, if you're not going anywhere, you don't have to worry about the exchange rate, and that doesn't affect you as much. That's right. One one positive of a slightly weaker dollar is for investors that are globally diversified, and we believe you should be globally diversified. That means owning stocks of overseas companies, 
it's it's positive for your returns from those overseas stocks to have a weaker dollar because you're going the currencies overseas stronger. Uh, it, it translates back and and helps out international equity returns when when our dollar's a little bit weaker. So that that's that's a tailwind is like what we like to call it for for a globally diversified portfolio. Those international yeah. stocks are benefiting in terms of returns from a slightly weaker dollar. Yeah, I know some people uh, they, they forget about this, but it's something that um, an investment uh, strategy group and your team, Mark, that would help do this. Is when you're looking at, let's say, if potential investing in foreign fixed income, or, or even other foreign companies, you, uh, and you say, okay, well, which which bonds are are being, or are, if you're going to use a particular index fund, or you're going to use a particular active bond manager, are they hedging their fund against the currency, or are they not hedging their fund against the currency? Because you can look at a particular bond fund and say, wow, they did so much better than this other bond fund. And thinking that, okay, that's the better one to get to, not realizing that one hedged, one didn't, and that's the reason they did well. It had nothing to do with the bond performance. It had everything to do with hedging the currency or not hedging the currency. Absolutely. It's one of the factors we look at when we're evaluating foreign uh, overseas uh, money managers on the bond and stock side is, are they cur- are they hedging out those currency risks or whatever? And if, if they're not, are we comfortable taking that risk uh, in our in our investing? Yeah, so that's just one of those things. It's it, you don't know what you don't know, and yeah. and people that that uh, and not not trying to just boost our own our our own expertise, but I mean when you're doing this all the time, there's you you like to think there's some things you can bring to the table that uh, are value added to the mm-hmm. to the client that they wouldn't have if they didn't have you looking at it. And of course, they're looking at bottom line performance. So if you if you you've got all this expertise, but you don't perform any better, then that doesn't really matter to them. <laughs> but right. you certainly have to put your put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're looking at, at uh, we just have a minute here or so before our break. So when you're looking at a portfolio and you've you've even if you don't segregate it in short term, intermediate term, long term, I think in your mind, you still need to be thinking of certain parts of your portfolio being earmarked for certain things? That's right. Yeah, you can, if you've got longer term goals, I'm saving for a college education for my children and they're, you know, they were just born or long term retirement and I'm, you know, I'm 40 years old, but I want to think about retirement. That's a, that's a long, long term goal. And so you need to invest in long term oriented assets, growth assets, and typically that means stocks. And, and as well, you need to be willing to write out, you know, the ups and downs, knowing that, okay, this is a long term goal. It's a long term investment. I need to stay invested for the long term, not get caught up in short term uh, fluctuations because uh, doing that is the best way to not be successful for those long term yeah. investments. Then you might have intermediate term goals, you know, six, seven, nine years, four years. And and so those that would imply different kinds of investments because it would be tough to have those types of uh, money in, in in stocks, and then we have a drawdown, and then I well now we're we're three years in, and I'm going to need my money in four years, and, and stocks don't have time to recover. So right. money like that, goals that's addressing money like that, or uh, needs to be in more intermediate term, and that's typically bonds. Okay, very good. So when we get back for the next break, uh, the last part segment of Talking Money today, the answering the big question, are stocks in a bubble? What's what's going on with stocks? You hear that a lot of people, and of course, the the, the more you they're trying to sell annuity, the annuities are probably going to, to to try to scare you half to death into whatever the the economy is doing. We're not going to be doing that today, uh, but we do want to answer your questions. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. 
I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We've got about 11 minutes or so left in the program today. To send a question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And if you want to hear some the, the previous episodes that we've done at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, go to the resource or listen at the top of the page, the homepage, you'll see the listen section. And you can go there. Matter of fact, you can also uh, sign up for the newsletter and we'll send you regular communications. A lot that comes from the ISG team out of Atlanta and other things that uh, we want to send your way. So there's a place to put your email address and so forth in there. That's not something that's going to trigger us to start calling you. And just uh, as I've said many, many times, we're not in that business for that. We want to make sure that anything we do is a good two-way fit for, for us and for especially for the client. All right, so uh, Mark Elam, we're talking about, we talked about the dollar, we talked about inflation, we've talked about interest rates. Uh, you know, we've pretty much settled all the problems of the world today, except for our stocks in a bubble. Uh, do they just seem expensive? I've told people before they got to be careful about what they look at because, matter of fact, yesterday I was talking to um, a lady and was talking about the S&P 500 and how the returns were pretty good last year, but they were concentrated in just a few stocks. So uh, we've got to be thinking about what, um, even what, uh, types of assets like small companies, mid-size, large, uh, value versus growth. You know what is in a bubble? Is there a bubble? So uh, give us your thoughts, Mark. Sure, happy to do that. So you know we we hear clients talking about that. We hear the concerns, and so uh, it, it's certainly uh, it's certainly a pleasant thing to see clients uh, making money with higher stock prices, which we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, the, for the market to come roaring back. The way it did in 2020 was astounding. So it does give us pause as to you know, you know where we are we and where do we go from here. And so the first point we would make is like you know as it's, you alluded to it, uh, there have been there's some stocks that have gone up a lot more than others. And so the market has been skewed, if you will, by a handful of very mega cap large companies that have been very successful. And we know the names, right? Apple and Microsoft and and Google and so the forth. Fang stocks, there, the Fang right? stocks, yeah. and you know Microsoft's in there too. And you know don't forget them, but yeah, those those have really powered the market forward. But what's interesting is in recent months, maybe since October or so, there the parts of the market that had not been going up as much as those stocks um, are now coming along. The, it's broadening out what's what's doing yep. better, and so we're seeing small company stocks do well. We're seeing this the stocks that were more cheaply priced. Uh, we, sometimes we call those value stocks have perked up here in recent months. 
And it, it follows that as the economy looks like it's going to be improving and we expect it to improve this year, those kinds of companies are, are more leveraged to uh, economic growth. And so the market's broadening out. Uh, parts of the market are very expensive. Parts of the market are not so expensive. And the other thing we'd say is, you know, you need to invest uh, broadly and diversify. And overseas markets are not as expensive as our market. And so we're, we're, we're telling clients, yes, parts of the market uh, do look expensive. It concerns us. Earnings are going to be growing, and a lot of these valuations companies will be growing into the valuations that they're that they're uh, that they're experiencing right now. So, bottom line, diversify. If you're spread, you might have some expensive stocks, some some better priced stocks, some international stocks. You'll be you'll be protected if we are in in a bubble or in a, in a place where markets uh, are a little bit ahead of themselves. All right, we may come back to that in just a minute, but uh, Paul tells me we have a caller on the line, so I'm uh, at a disadvantage when I'm away from the studio. I can't see who it is. It's Vincent from Kings Mountain. Vincent from Kings Mountain. Uh, so let's bring Vincent from Kings Mountain on the line. So good morning, Vincent. Welcome to Talking Money. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, as we all know, we've this uh, new phenomenon out there. Bitcoin is the buzz in the financial markets of late, your, your major, a lot of your hedge fund managers are, have been putting positions into Bitcoin because uh, primarily the Fed's in, insatiable appetite to print money, uh, not really uh, give us positive real returns on, uh, uh, you know, the value of the dollar. This, these hedge fund managers see the dollar being devalued uh, each and every year, and they look at Bitcoin as a store of value. And it, I just want to know, off the cuff, what do you think about Bitcoin and its popularity right now? Okay, Vincent, thanks for the question. Mark? Well, I'll, I'll I think jump we, in I think on we that. agree on whatever you're going to say. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, we are getting this question a good bit, and I think primarily because the price of Bitcoin has just uh, skyrocketed here in recent months, and and that's been uh, that's been something that gotten that's gotten people's attention, and it does uh, hold itself out as kind of a store of value, maybe an alternative store of value versus the dollar and so forth. So we're somewhat skeptical as it as an investment. It seems to move based on uh, Based on criteria and, and impacts of you know supply and demand, people coming into it, it drives the price higher and higher, and then it has big uh, pullbacks as we saw kind of in the last week or so. So we're not using it in portfolios. We're we're talking with it about clients. We're watching. The Federal Reserve is actually uh, studying the idea of a digital currency themselves. Uh, if they were to come out with that in the next couple of years, what would the impact be on Bitcoin? We're not sure, but uh, right now we're we're skeptical. We don't see it as a real uh, investment, a real asset class. Um, but it is interesting to watch, interesting to see as as things evolve. Uh, what what becomes of digital currencies just in general? Yeah, I think there's a lot, right. a lot of different investments are like that. That if you if you get in and out the right time, you may t- catch the trend right. But too many people get in at the wrong time, and then they're left hanging with the with the still in their portfolios when it's when it's dropping as fast or faster than it went up yeah i think hedge fund man please do please do yeah can i counter this uh you know i've been watching a lot doing a lot of research on it you know the decentralized platform yeah the governments can't really get their hands on these accounts and basically that's that's why it upsets them so because they can't control the uh, value of Bitcoin, and the value of Bitcoin is basically determined by the individuals in the market, and they're, and they're voting, and the vote 
right now is Bitcoin's worth more than the dollar. And also that as, a, as you own a Bitcoin, you're actually an individual bank where you, you can send, you can do transactions simultaneously with another individual clear across the world without any fees. And this is what got this is what banks are kind of concerned about because we're cutting into their cake. And, you know, this really, this spells freedom, freedom of association, freedom to do business with who you want to without any uh, complications with government entities. So it's freedom. And it's a freedom currency. It's, they call it digital gold, but I think it's here to stay. Yeah, it may cryptocurrencies may be yeah, uh, it may be a, a new thing. Maybe the future. Uh, no, no argument there. Uh, it, that may be where we're headed. Uh, it's just a little early in our minds to kind of think of it as as an investment or as an asset class that we want to get exposure to. We're watching it, keeping an eye on it, and keeping an eye on kind of what the what moves it in terms of price. But uh, for sure, it's something uh, we'll probably have more to say on in the future as as people. Uh, con- it continues to gather more interest. All right, Vincent. Well, thanks for thanks for the call. Okay. We're gonna we keep moving on, but that's good comments. We appreciate your thoughts and thanks for listening. All right, so we just got a couple minutes left here. Sorry, Vincent. Uh, we can talk about Bitcoin probably for a long time, and uh, it's been it comes and goes as the as like you said, Mark. The price comes and goes. It gets more interesting as it as it comes along. Um, but I, I was looking at a talking back about the, our stocks in a bubble. Um, Goldman Sachs and one of their pieces came out. Their key takeaways when they're talking about investments, they said they expect moderate risk and well diversified portfolios to return just under six percent in 2021, driven by an eight to ten percent return from U.S. and non-U.S. equities and modestly negative returns in high quality fixed income securities. But then their next point is, but stay invested. They're saying we believe we're in a, a nascent uh, stage of multi-year economic expansion that supports mid-single-digit annualized equity returns that are superior to cash and bonds. So that's their thought. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I would echo the idea of uncertainty. We don't know. We can have thoughts about what stocks are going to do internationally or U.S., and we can have thoughts about how it's tied to the economy and profits and so forth. And uh, the bottom line is you need to have exposure broadly and diversify across markets uh, in the U.S., that means big companies, mid-sized companies, small companies, and it means internationally as well. And sometimes you might need help with that. And so that's why I think an advisor can be a valuable uh, asset, a valuable person to kind of walk alongside you and help you navigate markets. Um, and because many times it, it's difficult to stay invested. It's difficult to know what to do. And so an advisor can be that that mentor, that person that walks alongside you and can help you with that. So. Yeah. Uh, that can that can be a, a, a key to being successful in the long term, having a long term plan that someone helps you come up with and then sticking with it through the ups and downs, knowing that, you know, it's an uncertain world that we face every day. Yeah, yeah we've told uh, prospective clients and clients a lot over the years that the best portfolio for you to be in is the one that you'll stick with. Absolutely. So part of our job is to help come up with whatever that portfolio is that, that to keep you comfortable and to, uh, to hold your hand when things are, are not looking uh, as good to help you understand that these parts that are going down the most have the most volatility are also the ones you're probably not going to touch you probably never spend it's going to be 20 years then it's going to be for your kids not for you 
Anyway, we're out of time, so we got our last 20 seconds, uh, Mark. So appreciate you joining me today, and always uh, a pleasure to have you with us. And Great to be thanks here. Thanks again. Hopefully I'll get to come back. All right, so thanks for listening to Talk Your Money, 800-588-7526. If you want to give me a call at the office to see if we might be a good fit for you, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week with more Talking Money. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.